Now, my favorite verse in the Bible about exhortation is 1 Thessalonians 5.14. And it says this, Warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Hey friends, welcome to the 1000 Houses podcast where we encourage and equip households to make disciples in and through the home. Every episode, you'll hear interviews, teachings, and conversations around what it looks like to turn your home into a hub for mission, community, and discipleship. Today's episode was taken from one of our coaching intensives called Life on Life Discipleship, where we provide you with personal coaching and equipping as you go on a journey of taking on apprentices to multiply disciples. To learn more about this coaching intensive, visit 1kh.org discipleship. And if you want to learn more about A Thousand Houses in general and check out some of our other resources, visit 1kh.org. Let's jump into today's episode. One of the keys to being a disciple maker is learning to be a great exhorter. An exhorter is somebody who notices something that is a little off or really off in the person you're discipling and directly talking to them about it. And this can be challenging depending on what your personality is like. If you're kind of agreeable, you might avoid these kind of conversations. If you're disagreeable, you might dive in really fast. Um, We want to talk about this because this is a skill and that we all need to learn this regardless of whether or not this is something we enjoy doing or something we struggle with doing. This is really core to the whole project of, of doing any kind of discipleship or the relationship you're going to have with somebody who's coming to you to learn because the exhortations you're going to give them are the things that are really going to be custom to where they're at. So I want to talk through um, what it looks like for us to develop this skill and make sure that we do this in a way that our exhortations are falling on good soil. That's really the challenge of exhortation. The issue often is that that people tend to get really defensive when you talk to them about something in their life that needs to be worked on or improved. And so we want to talk about how to do this. By the way, this is uh, also going to apply very much to parenting teenagers, and I would say most of what I've learned about this has been um, dovetailed with that as well as the disciple-making thing. So um, the first thing is just to understand that this is really going to be a challenge in our culture. There are some cultures that are very comfortable with exhortation. They actually expect it. Hey, if you're going to be pouring into me, then I expect you to tell me hard truths and to bring to me observations that are going to be really challenging for me. There are cultures where that's very normal. We're not one of them anymore. We're a, I'm okay, you're okay culture, don't judge me, don't talk to me about those kinds of things, you're offending me, why are you saying this to me kind of culture. And that's going to make this really difficult. And so one of the things you want to do is prepare the soil of the person you're discipling and say, hey, can I have permission to speak into your life things that might be challenging to you? Like, it's important to talk about that up front and to make clear to the person you're discipling, hey, one of the things I feel like I need to do before the Lord if I'm going to be um, discipling you is that I need to challenge you in areas. And I don't know what those are right now. We'll hopefully discover those as we continue to deepen our relationship. But um, are you okay with that? Are you okay with hearing hard, uh, potentially hard, challenging things from me? Are you okay with kind of a high-challenge relationship? And so that is something that you may need to prepare in advance with that kind of a person. Now, the reason why our culture struggles a lot with this, it's important to kind of understand that the, the reason why this is getting more and more difficult in our culture is because we live in a culture that is obsessed with what the, some sociologists are now calling the cult of authenticity. And that means that whatever I feel, whatever emotions I feel, whatever impulses I have that are just kind of arising from within me, that is my authentic self. 
And for you to come and tell me there's something wrong with something that I did or something that, I, something that I'm doing, some pattern in my life, um, you're attacking me. You're attacking my core identity, who I really am. Now, that is not biblical. It's really important to understand that the Bible describes people as much more complex than that. The Bible talks about the, there are a lot of things that are coming, impulses, emotions, things that are rising up within us that are coming from the flesh, that is the part of us that is still rooted in some way in that sort of sinful nature. The enemy, that we have an enemy that is constantly planting thoughts and in really inciting temptations within us. And the world, that the world is coming at us with all kinds of ideas that, are, that, that could be seeding desires inside of us that are not authentically who we are. They, are. they are part of something that is trying to shape us into a different mold. And so the Bible describes the person as somebody who is constantly at war inside themselves with these kinds of variables. The Holy Spirit's there, the Word of God is there, the Christian community's there, truth is there, the stories of the Bible are shaping the person. There's all kinds of things that, that are, on one hand are trying to really remake the mind, and then the world, the flesh, and the devil are constantly attacking them from the other side. And so this is a challenging thing. And so we cannot give into this cult of authenticity that says that, hey, if I did it, if I feel like it, if it's coming from within me, it's just me. That's not true. We don't believe that. It's not biblical. And by the way, psychologists, sociologists that are really studying these things, they agree. They're like, of course that's not true. Of course, whatever impulses, there's lots of variables that are creating that. Not necessarily some genuine, deep, authentic part of who you are, but it's important to understand that a lot of people are getting fed that, those ideas, and that is making exhortation extremely challenging for us. And so uh, sometimes we just need to talk openly about you know, these different things that are happening culturally so that we, again, prepare the soil for the person that we are going to be exhorting. Now, my favorite verse in the Bible about exhortation is 1 Thessalonians 5.14, and it says this, Warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with everyone. I find this extremely practical because one of the things that Paul is pointing out here is that there's not one method of exhortation. It depends on what's going on inside the person. The harshest exhortation, Paul says, is to the idle. So this is somebody who is apathetic and refusing to do the work. They need to be warned, Paul says. Now, he still says at the very end of the verse, be patient with everyone. And so you don't want to lose patience with somebody who's idle. But you also need to be a little bit edgy with them. You need to come across with strength. They need to be warned. There's a danger in being idle. That kind of apathy is going to ruin and destroy their life. It really, um, it really diminishes the commitment that is being made on your part as a discipler. And so it's important to warn the idle. He says, encourage the timid. There are people that are struggling with fear and they need courage. They don't need warning. They don't need harshness, right? They need courage. And so that's a different problem. So we don't want to come at that person with something that's going to feel like an attack because again, their problem is fear. They need to be encouraged. Help the weak. Some people are like, they, you look at their situation, you really understand their life and they're struggling with something because they're weak. They don't, they, there's something that, that, that they're not strong in this area. And so they need to be helped. They need to be given ideas and accountability, encouragement as well. And again, I love that Paul says, over all of these exhortations, you be patient with everyone. We never want to lose patience with people. Um, we need to understand that, that, yeah, there are going to be times where we're going to have to say hard things, but it shouldn't come across as somebody who's uh, lost patience. I think that's a really helpful way to think about it. So that's kind of uh, by way of just understanding the tone of the way that we go about exhortation. But how do we actually do this? So I'm going to give you guys um, a series of steps. These are five steps um, that are going to help you 
walk through a process of exhortation with those you are discipling. Now, the first, uh, the first step is holistic observations. Holistic observations. This means that you look at their life and you sort of open yourself up to saying, what, do I, what am I seeing here? What is sort of sticking out to me? What, what looks like it might be a little off? And it's really important to look at not just their spiritual life. Sometimes we look at just that part of their life, but look at their work life, look at their family life, look at their personal life, look at their thought life, look at their entertainment choices, look at their you know, diet, look at their, this every aspect of their life, the physical, the intellectual, the spiritual, the emotional, what is going on with this person? And just let yourself sort of watch and take note. That's the first step. You don't want to uh, make any quick conclusions. You're just looking for things that seem a little off or that cause you to ask questions. Who I wonder what that, what's going on there with that person. Um, and so you want to just start there. And you kind of just want to make note of those observations. Now, what do you do with those observations? I would say that the next step is really prayerful reflection. Okay, um, what is going on here? Oftentimes in my prayer time, I'll write this observation, maybe in a word or two, down in my journal, and then just take a minute and ask the Lord, like, what's going on with this? Is there anything that kind of comes to mind about this? Is there anything that this stirs up for me? Is there anything you want to say to me, Holy Spirit, about this area? And just kind of take some notes, like, ooh, okay, here's something here. You know, because sometimes, you know, and, and I, I kind of am trying to diagnose which of those three things it is. Is this somebody who's idle? Is this somebody who's weak? Is this something somebody who's timid? Um, is there something going on here that I need to be really careful? So a lot of those prayerful reflections will help me kind of calibrate the tone that ultimately, you know, this exhortation is likely to come across. Now, when it's time to have a meeting and talk about this with the person, um, the way I like to do it is to, again, make sure that my exhortations are falling on good soil. These seeds are going to get planted and they're going to take root and they're going to bear fruit. I want to be careful not to ping off of hard soil. And to me, the easiest way to do that is to begin by asking a thoughtful question. And oftentimes when I'm prayerfully reflecting, what I'm often looking for is a question that I can ask this person that'll help them just open up about it. Hey, I've noticed, you know, this thing in your life. Tell me about that. Where did that first come from? Where do you think the root of that is? Do you feel like there's anything there? Um, let them process it out loud. Sometimes people just, they, they, they do prayerful reflection and then they just immediately exhort the person. Hey, you've got a problem in this area. What is, what is wrong with you? Like, here's something you need to fix. Here's something, this is how you should work on it. And oftentimes you're like, whoa, I, I feel totally misunderstood. I don't think you really know what's going on. And you might even know what's going on, but why, why uh, do something that's going to cause their, those shields to go up? So we want to ask questions, try to hear where their heart is. Is there softness there? Is there an awareness there? Is there a lack of awareness there? Um, and so just let them sort of spend, like kind of express as much as possible about what in this area is going on. Um, and then once, and then once you, you have these things, you've got your observations, you've got your prayerful reflections, you've asked questions and really listened to where they're coming from. And then the, the fourth step I'd say is bold exhortation. This is when you need to speak into their life. That is not okay. That is not good. That is not the, that's not the Lord. I don't feel that that is really something that you should continue to do. Like be bold. Like they have invited you into discipling relationship. You've listened to them. You've prayed over this area. Um, do your best. Now, you should stay humble and say, look, I could be off, but this is what I think. Um, and so I think it's really important to, to go ahead and exhort at that point. And ex exhortation is, is to really say with boldness, hey, I really believe that, that this, is, this is off um, and this is why. Um, something that could shake them up and cause them to change. 
And so this is a part of discipleship that I feel is really, really critical. I, I think the best way to, to really envision this role of disciple making is still coaching. You know, if you've ever been a part of any kind of sport and you, you've had somebody who's, you know, coach is oftentimes sitting on the sidelines and just watching what's going on and they're kind of taking note and they're like, ooh, something's going on there. They walk over, hey, what's going on? Why, why did you run that route that way? Why did that happen? And they sort of explain, you know, oh, I've been sick, okay. Or, I don't know, I just, that's what, okay, that's not okay. Like, you need, when I, when we, we, we need to practice it this way, we need to move this direction. Like, you have to have the boldness to say the true thing. But, but you can see good coaches often go through these steps as well um, to make sure that their, their, um, that their players are, are ready for, for being, for those kinds of words of encouragement and improvement. And the last step is, is uh, accountable actions. So if you're going to prescribe something to the person um, to, to help them change, and you want to be following up with them and holding them accountable and making sure that you're checking in and, and helping um, them, them go through that. So um, exhortation, just to kind of sum up you guys, is a big part of disciple making. We're coaching people when we're discipling them. And so we want to go through these steps of observing, reflecting, um, asking great questions, diving into to challenging um, feedback with the person, and, and then following up with whatever actions that they've agreed to take in order to work on this area. So um, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Um, that's a really important part to remember in our tone. So let me ask you guys, on a scale of 1 to 10, how, how do you think you're doing at exhortation? Um, where do you fall on the scale of somebody who might be too avoidant of exhortation or too aggressive with exhortation? Um, how does that work for you? I'd love for you to take some time and think about this and then really make sure this fits into the way that you're thinking about discipleship, that there are times where you're watching and then boldly speaking into the people's lives. Um, and so if there's issues where, where you might be struggling with that, either with your tone, the way you come across when you do give exhortations or, or avoidance, you find it difficult to actually be bold enough to step out and make an exhortation or you might be struggling with some of the things we talked about in the, in the beginning of this video, the, the way the culture is really making this area very difficult for us. Um, think through that stuff. We'd love to talk more about that stuff because this is a critical part of what it means to make a disciple. Well, friends, thanks for listening to today's episode. If you have a deep desire to actually make disciples in your context but simply don't know how, We'd love to invite you to apply for our coaching intensive called Life on Life Discipleship, where you'll work through online content and receive personal coaching on your journey to making disciples that multiply. For more information and to apply for this coaching, head over to 1kh.org discipleship. We'll see you for the next episode.